Anyway, she goes to bed. I open up a box out of Barbara's. I light up. I call myself a cognac. Uh. And I watch the 14 fists of McCluskey. <laughs> what a picture. Yo, homie, that my briefcase? And start asking the right fucking questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special rum and rant on One Heat Minute Patreon. I'm your host, Blake Howard. This should have been a genuine multiple different servings of rum and rant. Like uh, there were many rums consumed. And in the in United States of America, for anyone who's listening in Australia, they don't have a thing called responsible service of alcohol. So every rum was a healthy daddy pour of rum. And my one of my guests that, of that little recording is now had to come back with me to sort of like uh, retroactively uh, exhume the corpse of a conversation that was completely destroyed and turned into gobbledygook by my recording device, which is typical of any podcaster who has ever lived to have a remote recording device absolutely shit the bed on you. And it's just not fun. But I wanted to have this conversation. Uh, I wanted to have it then I'm keen to have it now, but for anyone who's listening, as I'm recording this, it has been three years and one day uh, now uh, since I dropped the finale of One Heat Minute with Michael Mann. And I did it on purpose on my son's birthday. And I'm not sure if I've told people this. I dropped it on like 9am-ish Sydney time on my son's birthday so I could put my phone down and run away. <laughs> so I just could could be adequately distracted by all of the fun of a first-year-old's birthday and friends and family without being completely consumed um, by my phone. Um, but, uh, you know, towards the end of the day, once family went away, then I could go and see how people had reacted to it. Um, but I thought I would bring back a, a true One Heat Minute crew family member um, who was recently not only in New York City... Uh, uh, for the uh, Tribeca heat screening, flew there specifically, bought me a ticket, sat next to me in the screening, and even has now got even behind-the-scenes stuff of not only I don't actually mimic the lines, but he's now since discovered that I mimic the hand gestures. One of my dearest friends, crime author extraordinaire and screenwriter Jordan Harper. Hello, my friend. Hey, how you doing, man? I... I am a, I'm a little freaked out here because I didn't realize it was, it's been three years since the finale of, yeah. well, time just gushes as if from a wound, doesn't it? It's just <laughs> like in arterial sprays. It's just like, that's really hard for me to get my head around because I would have said, I would have said that happened a year ago, honestly, yeah. if you'd asked me when well, that had happened. To, like that was just in the before times, so to speak, right? It was just at that time, 2019. I was planning a trip in 2020 to come to LA, you know, that which would have formed like the celebration of the end of One Heat Minute. We talked about it and then it just disappeared. So like it's it's on Keith's birthday, so I will never forget it. You know, I'll never forget that the day that it dropped, not only because I will never forget it, but also like it's on an anniversary that means to me. And it's like time flies. Like I look at the photos as a, as a photo of Garth, Franklin, Stu Coote and I like cheersing with this beautiful bottle of Johnny Walker blue, a very expensive bottle of booze. <laughs> and we're cheersing together and it's on Keith's first birthday that we're doing it. It's crazy. So yeah, he's now four. He turned four wow. yesterday. So that's where we are. It's just, it's nuts. And it also feels if I didn't just see you and if we didn't just like have a little chat in the preamble before like hitting record properly on this, it almost feels like that trip wasn't real. It happened so <laughs> fast. And we were together like three consecutive days, but like it feels so surreal to me. Like it doesn't even feel like it happened. Well, I'm sure it's much more like that for you because A, you literally flew around the world um to to be there you were there for what 72 hours if? no no not no even. 48 48 let's just say 40 hours probably jesus and uh i just remember when you showed up on you're going to be insane for two days because yeah. uh, you don't know what time it is it's literally opposite time <laughs> um your all of your friends from the internet are walking out of the screen yeah. And, and walking up to you and, and then, oh, and hey, everybody, here's Robert De Niro. Um, 
<laughs> like what a strange surreal thing and then you left i was in new york for another three days yeah uh because i had business to do but like uh that made me sound so fancy i had business you are to do. fancy uh, i am um but uh <laughs> but you were just it was like um like the the length of time of the, that you go down with COVID, right? You just yes. like it's like yeah. I, I I had I had a COVID isolation, except it was on planes and it was back coming back from New York, essentially the equivalent of what an isolation would be. But yeah, so, no, you, so, oh no, you please go. Oh, I was you know not to jump around too much, but to go back to the the, the rum and rant aspect of this, we were in mm. the after the screening because you've talked about the screening, I, we right yeah. we we can we can do our. We, we're just doing commentary here. Um, after the screening, we all walked to that fantastic bar in the Bronx that, that set out those tables for us so kindly. And, and you were so, uh, so blown away by, I guess they just pour weak drinks in Australia is basically well, what it comes down Australians to. Australians are alcoholics. Like that's a, it's a, it's a country trait. People drink quite a bit. And so you have to have a responsible service of alcohol because people just tip them back. They just go crazy and it's too, it's too much. So I'm accustomed because I'm accustomed in Oz. Like they, they have that, you know, the little fixed shot glasses. I, I'm sure mm. you guys would see them, right? The little fixed like metal shot glasses or whatever they pour it in. Yeah, there yeah, and yeah. They, they do the fixed pours. So in Australia, usually what I do is I go, this is, this is truly rum deep, cut run around i go and get two captain morgans and and diet cokes if you can get them or you know coke zeros i go get two captain morgans and coke and i get come back to the table and usually what happens is on my way back to the table because they're weak pause i just drink one and it is gone and then i go back and i sip the next drink because i'm used to pouring my own drinks at home especially mm -hmm. with covid and pouring my own drinks at home and they are not any responsible service of alcohol happening in my house. So right, right. when it comes to me pouring for myself. And so when I was there, I was at the bar and I grabbed one of those drinks and I went to do my traditional, like just tip it back and drink it and pound it and then just put it back on the bar and pay for my drinks and walk back. And I got like three quarters of the way through and I was like, this is a me pour. Like what's going <laughs> You guys don't have, what, what's going on here? You don't have, responsible service of alcohol here what's going on and you guys are like no we don't i'm like wow <laughs> well i had a similar uh experience at that bar in the bronx and i'm not faulting them because this is not what they do there but uh i uh or because since i don't drink anymore uh i ordered my usual diet coke and i uh, like you grabbed my first diet coke and tipped it back and and it hit my hit my uh you know tongue and i was like this is the worst diet coke i've ever had in my life um <laughs> and it was like it was like i don't know they had like bought a tank of the diet coke spray or whatever it is yeah, and then the like mix crap yeah the premix crap and then just like left it open for a while just to like mm. let it like you know dry <laughs> age or ferment or something <laughs> And get rid of all the bubbles. It was like somebody had learned, like, like didn't understand that it was supposed to be carbonated. It was really, it was truly a really bad Diet Coke. But again, that's not, that's not the bar's job. I understand that. The, the Diet Coke at a bar is, you shouldn't be drinking rum and Diet Coke because who are you fooling? There's sugar in the rum. Like, come on, <laughs> come on. But like, um, but it was a tremendous amount of fun to be there. And I'll say oh. the other thing is I am a, uh, I'm a fellow what goes to bed around 10 o'clock at, at night. Um, yeah. generally I am, I am, a, I get up in the morning, I do all my writing very early. So I, I am, I am, especially since, like I said, sober for 14 years. So like, I, uh, I am not used to being out till three in the morning anymore. And I, I was so tired. Two mornings, could, two mornings in a row, Jordan, we were out together yes. until three in the morning. And, uh, all I could think of is I'm not allowed to be tired because Blake is here <laughs> and, 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 and if Blake isn't tired and he flew around the world to be here. I know, I know it's technically halfway around the world, but that's around the world. Cause yeah. like, you know, you're not gonna fly all the way around the globe <laughs> and just wind up back where you were. Um, so I, I was, no, I'm sticking this out. Also because, I, I, you know, this was the amount of time I had to spend uh, with you as a good uh, friend. And oh, uh, I, I wanted to, and, 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 and Sean Burns and, and the- And the gang. Uh, and the you gang. Nice and, little gang know, there. Yes. Oh, so many, I was so glad to meet, and I, I, 
I should know his real name, but I can only know him as Michael Man Fax. I was so glad that, he, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that Michael Man Fax was I there. Think I, I'm, I'm reticent to say Michael Man Fax's real name because he doesn't say it to many people, but like mm. we, we will know him. We can say that off air. We can say, but yeah. Oh, well, no, I, I know what it is. I, yeah, I do Ma know what it is. Man Fax, Man Fax is such an adorable kid. He's a, he's, mm -hmm. he's, doing, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of like millennial. He's mm -hmm. like a millennial me. And uh, uh, and I'm too old for that shit, but he's he's just living it. I love it. Yes, it's so great. And so much more conversant in 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 being able to communicate with memes in a way that I'm yeah. I'm much too old to no, do. Way too old and have no interest in. <laughs> I need but, I need I need 120 hours to stew on something. This kid needs one picture, <laughs> one, uh -huh. one picture with an adjusted caption. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. To, it was a while. It was a wild time. It was a wild time and that, and, and, you know, we were, we were together. We had a blast. Um, I've since, uh, I, you know, there's an upcoming podcast I'm on. I actually talk about heat. My friends, uh, Alexia and Cam have a podcast called total reboot. And I'm on their show talking about heat cause they're doing a heist mini series. And I actually mentioned you because I'm like my friend Jordan and I were sitting together, howling, laughing at Al Pacino, <laughs> trolling the internet by suggesting that Timothy Chalamet would play him and everyone believing that it's a fact and everyone missing the next line that he said and yeah and harry Styles should play bob because he's such a great <laughs> singer and dancer and uh -huh. it's just like all these people who then took that to as gospel are you fucking idiots like you're all so stupid i was like we, we were howling laughing how did everyone miss the joke no well, one in i mean the room missed the joke no, nobody could have been in that room and thought any real news was dropping at any at any point in that conversation, that oh. or or that um that that Al Pacino at this stage in his life is the uh, is the vehicle for true facts stated. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that that this is that this is a, not a news source that you go to. Um, no, and it was tremendous fun, and, and you said this uh, already, but like it was amazing to sit next to you watching this movie and i do you know that you do the hand gestures or you just like i i don't know i i i've <clears throat> i think it's it's happening more and more because i watch it and it's like second nature i just mm -hmm. watch it and i just know every detail and i know every beat and i just find myself you know like with your favorite um this is so weird i'm gonna confess this i haven't told anyone this I like to run. I used to run quite a bit. I don't haven't run as much recently because I've been so goddamn busy. But because it because it just takes time. Um, but I should make time. Um, but there's been times where I've been running and like doing really hard runs. And sometimes it's like five or ten k's, or you know, especially the ten k ones where you just like it's a hot day. I don't want to be doing this. I hate it. This is a dumb idea. Why am I doing this? What? Why run? And what I've found myself doing to comfort myself sometimes is if I'm in the middle of the run, I sometimes just start quoting heat in my head. Mm. I just start saying the whole lines. And like, there's been multiple times where I've like, I'll say the whole coffee house speech to myself. And if anyone's watching me, they probably think I'm insane. Cause I'm uh -huh. like probably saying it out loud and I'm doing the faces and I'm doing the gestures just while I'm running to keep myself distracted from the fact that I hate what I'm doing <laughs> running. <laughs> um, and so I think that I, I think I don't, it's not even, it's just now it just happens. You know, sometimes like with, when you're a little kid, parents are like, please don't say the lines before they happen. Stop, mm -hmm. stop that. And I find myself as a dad, sometimes my kids, when we're watching like bluey episodes, they've seen 10,000 times, like Hazel's even like quoting the lines and I can't hate it because it's a film nerd thing to do, but I'm like, don't say it. Let's watch it. If you like <laughs> it, let's watch it. Um, so I stopped myself from saying the lines and I think the gestures is just like a second nature thing. I don't even know that I'm doing all the time. <laughs> well, that's good. And, and it's good because you still clearly like get something out of seeing the movie. And I think that's um, amazing that you don't feel, cause I personally, I, I don't, I drift between favorites a lot. Like yeah. I, I think right now, if, if you were going to, I had to pick one, uh, I think I might uh, watch Miami vice first mm. these days. Yeah, it's, um, it's not a bad shout. It's great. You know, and, 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 and I'm a little man. I went through a little manhunter phase a while back where I was like, that movie is so good. Oh I think God. we were talking about this in New York. I, I, I really have been trying to collect special scenes, uh, that regard procedurals, mm. you know, like I was talking about like the, 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 uh, the questioning scene in LA confidential where he's flipping the switches yeah. and, you know, trying to find these moments that, 
you've seen the overarching beat a million times, but what is the special version of it? And to me, I just rewatched Manhunter, I think right before the trip and uh, the uh, him figuring it out scene yeah. where he's watching the videos and he's talking and uh, oh, what's his name is just standing there watching him think. He's not even really yeah. in the scene, you know, he's just watching. Um, and he, but you can see because he's the guy who started this. Uh, what's that actor's name? I'm sorry, I'm Dennis Farina. Oh, sorry, Dennis Farina plays uh, is is the boss character that you're talking about, and, and yes. Will, William Peterson is up front, and he's just, yes, as Will Graham, like going. But like uh, Dennis Farina is sitting there, and he's watching him, and he doesn't do anything in the scene. But you realize this is why the movie starts with him going to the beach and getting him out of retirement. It's like, this is actually his victory playing out and he doesn't have to do anything because his victory was getting uh, Peterson to this place. But Peterson's performance and, and the actual way that the thing that he is watching is the revelation of the clue and the music and just the, the there are other and, parts and, of that. And, and Farina like, on the phone in the background, like three quarters of the way through the monologue. Yeah. Open the just, box, rip the tape off, <laughs> like all that, like, oh, so good. It, it's it's really, I mean, you can watch a lot of, of, of detectives solving the crime. And I don't know if you'll ever find one that has that much unity of his character, the mystery itself, the production. It's just so, uh, it's just really magically done. And I, I think there are other parts of that movie where, where, where Peterson's performance, I think, teeters into camp a little bit that you you watch them you son of a bitch um <laughs> yeah but uh, but in that moment you get like oh this is why this guy was was put in this role he's so good in it um but no i agree manhunter's uh, fantastic i don't know there's something about the 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 romance of miami vice that's been very appealing to me recently oh it's so yeah you, you know katie and i can't wait to get back to miami we've been doing tokyo nice as our little mini series we can't wait to get back to miami we've got a few few big episodes coming up so we're looking forward to it but yeah i i I still get there's just no movie that holistically makes me feel like heat does yeah there's i mean i mean even my favorite 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 movies you know apocalypse now you know and i would say this pretty comfortably it's like apocalypse now like no country for old men uh all the president's men um you know dude cinema 101 basically um zodiac uh you know there are these certain films that just from top to bottom and even like the more, you know, um, you know, something more fanciful or silly, like, you know, uh, you know, someone might not consider it like a masterpiece of cinema, but like predator, something like as Ooh. just you, something as tight and as lean and as fun as like a predator or the thing or something like that. But like, I, I, I just, when I watch heat, it just literally has everything that I could possibly want in a film. It has absolutely everything it's got great lines it's got immaculate performances that modulate between absolutely hilarious and the most impactful performances i've ever seen committed to screen by a screen actor <laughs> um it's just the canvas the crescendo like just nothing i don't know there's just like almost nothing better and and um but I will say this, there's only one version of heat for me that gets me to like the full crescendo. And that's the 35 mil print, like the mm. 4k versions with the little tweaks. Okay. Aesthetic, you know, it's, you know, maybe it's like the best plastic surgery a person could ever have. Right. You know, that, that person, whatever work they've had done where it like looks like it's invisible. That's the kind of work that it's had done. Um, that allows you to lie to believe that there hasn't been some tweaks, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, but I genuinely think that 35 mil print, the original cut, um, with that original color with LA raw, it almost feels like, cause it's, you know, it's just the filmic light. It's just LA. It's just Dante Spinotti lighting those scenes and it's just Michael Mann framing them. Man, when I saw that last, oh, wow. Just wow. It is just like, you don't need to mess with perfection. It's perfection. You know, that's interesting. I, I mentioned this a little bit off uh, air with you that I last night I went to go see the 4K uh, remaster of Lost Highway by David mm -hmm. Lynch, which uh, with, with our, our friend Travis. And um, I had actually seen it maybe seven or eight months ago on a 35 millimeter print also with Travis. But um, <laughs> and that is a movie that like fully deserves to be seen in a theater. I think yeah. not very many people have gotten that chance, um, at least recently and and if you ever get to it's such an amazing dream of a film 
Um, but I think maybe it's time to start talking about, are these 4K remasters really that great? Um, this one had, and I, I didn't get a chance to talk to Travis about this. I wondered if he thought the same thing. Some of the daytime shots were so remastered, it almost started to have that like motion smoothing effect that, that we like despise yeah. on people's television screens. There was, there was a lack of, of grain and, and, and things felt a little over bright. I'm not an expert in talking about this, this aspect of filmmaking, so I, I'm not sure I'm using the correct language, but there was something about it. You're talking about it, the feeling of it. The feeling of it yeah. is like that it's being tinkered with, that it's a lie. Well, and, it, and yes, it's a lie, and it just doesn't feel quite... I will say the theater we saw it in, Glendale Lamley, uh, the, the theater is too bright. They like they need to turn their their the they need to turn the the lights at the bottom of the floor off a little bit. It, so it, that kind of messed with it as well. But um, I just yeah, and and I not that I think it needs to be like scratchy or like that it has to be an old print. But there was just something about that thirty five millimeter that I think feels more like a like a dream and and is it's particularly with like something like uh, Lost Highway, which is a dream. Um, yes. Uh, but just you want that total, that totality, that qualia that I talk about of like every aspect of the film plays against each other to create like the the heat qua heat, if I can just be really pretentious about it. But <laughs> yes. like, but that's what I mean. Like, that's that's what it is to me. That's what qualia is, is this idea of the the thing that is heat that that is the sum of all of the parts. And, and it does sometimes I mean, Wong Kar Wai did it within the mood for love with those yeah. uh, remasters. Um, you know, I haven't watched the new Criterion of Miller's Crossing, where they cut like a 10 minute or 10 minute, sorry, 10 second um, bit of dialogue for Miller's Crossing in, in the new Criterion. I haven't cut. seen the new Criterion version. Thankfully, I have the previous version. Oh, I, that's how I feel. It's like because to me now and, and, and maybe somebody who's never seen the movie will watch it. And they, they won't know what's missing and they won't feel this. But to me, and it's just a little it's when the. Uh, Tom hits that guy with the chair yeah. um, and the guy goes like, Oh Jesus, Tom. Like they just like cut a, a little bit of that out. They cut like the Jesus Tom or something out of it. Um, and I don't know why I even care, but it's just like, I will always know what's missing. I will never and, not know it. And this is the thing. I will always know that the line ferocious aren't I is no longer in heat and it mm. will drive me insane until I die. <laughs> and I might have as like, what do you call it? Like the monograph on my tombstone. If I have such a thing, ferocious, mm -hmm. aren't I? Blake Howard. Like, because if <laughs> it will live beyond me, that line and like, and the fact of, you know, taking away the detritus line, which was one big, you know, oh, it's, you know, pretentious, whatever. And it's like, no, it's not pretentious. It's exactly spot on because she's a hyper intelligent woman. Who's been rehearsing a fight with a guy over that kitchen sink for months and it was a stupid line that someone in that position would want to use. And now that it's gone, is, it, is the sum total of the film different? No, but there is some extra herb and spice, some note that is not there. There's some mm -hmm. tone, some secret source is not there. And I, I don't know. And yeah, so uh, I think some of the 4Ks are brilliant because what they do is they get a stunningly restored film print and they put it on the screen. And they don't do too much color corrections other than to enrich blacks that are sometimes drowned out in prints that are just used to death. Mm -hmm. um, but the, what I, what I like is those ones that don't get tinkered with too much. And if you do want to tinker with it, this is the thing about physical media nerds. I will buy every version. <laughs> so why don't you just give me a version that is all the cuts of it? Just give me one. I'll buy it. If it's 150 bucks, I'll buy it. Give me all the versions, the original theatrical cut. It's like the great, you know, the, the apocalypse now has that brilliant version that has the theatrical, the redux, the final cut, hearts of darkness, the filmmakers apocalypse. And it's all together. And it's like that, that's like, Oh, cool. I'll just have them all. And it's like, even with like for Michael Mann, I'm like, Give me both versions of Heat. Give me the th 35 untouched. Even just the Blu-ray one for the Warner Brothers cut, better. Like, give mm -hmm. me that. 
and whatever's next. And, and they've been doing it on imprint, which, you know, I, I, in sort of a biased way, like love so much, but it's like Ostom and weekend. There's the original theatrical cut from Peckinpah. And then there's the brand new Peckinpah cut that he was never allowed to release. And it's like, I have both and I can watch them at my leisure and whichever version I like or whatever mood takes me, I can watch them both. There's nothing I detest more than when a director like wipes the previous cut. Yeah, you need the context because if you've grown up with it your whole life, you want it. And it's like recently the Warriors finally restored the theatrical cut, even though Walter Hill brought out this other version that had like animation and stuff in it that people had kind of grown up with. It was the only version I'd seen for years. I'm like, theatrical cut's perfect. Just give me that. That's all I want. Well, Um, I mean, with all full respect to the auteur, they often are better. And it's not always just nostalgia that makes us say that. I mean, I, you know... I think there's a lot of times where you go, oh yeah, no, you, you make it leaner, you make it tighter. You know, you need somebody else in your life to like help you with the cuts. Now, sometimes those cuts are, are, are bad and, and, and don't need to be made. I'm not saying that as a blanket statement, but like, I think anytime you're, you're cutting for pace or tone, um, I think oftentimes it, it, it's particularly cutting for pace. It just, directors are not always the best judge of their own pace. Um, and and on the inverse of that, sometimes they are. Like there's Alan, Alan J. Pakula, when he made All the President's Men, this is the coolest story in all of my research in that show that, that I found, which is he really liked lead-ins to scenes and lead-outs, silence. Mm. And so when he sent it all back to his editor to assemble, the editor instinctively thought the silences were like coders on the scenes to help edit them easier. Mm-hmm. So he cut it all out and made this version and they watched it and they're like, this thing feels like it goes for five hours. It's not moving. It's so like, what's wrong? And, he, and they just went, no, do an assembly cut where all of those moments and pauses and they're, they're, they're deliberate. So he then went back and cut it again. And when they added those, the air, the movie felt like it went for 10 minutes. Like it just flew. And it was just because there was something inverse about that experience where you needed the silences to process the information, the density of the information. And as you did it, you were, you were kind of like, um, helping, uh, it was helping you augment your understanding of the different characters, how they're feeling, what was happening in the scenes, getting a handle on what was, you know, orientating yourself throughout the movie. And so, yeah, like I, I kind of think like, you know, in a world where physical media versions are like gold, like, mm-hmm. just, like there's three versions of Ali. I want them all. There's three versions of Miami Vice. I want them all. Guess what? I own them all. Um, yeah. there's, three, there's, three, there's two versions of Heat. I own them all. Um, there'll be a 4K version. I'm going to own that too. Like every version I'm going to own. And it's just like nice. Wouldn't it be nice if we just put these all in one package, you know? No, I agree. And, and by the way, yeah, any of my, uh, I, I certainly support them, like do the 4K, do the, do tweaks, but I'm not a cop, you know, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> um, do, do what you I'm want. I'm not a cop. I, that's my motto. I think I, that's it, is, my, that, that's, it is your motto. I, I am not a cop. Um, but like, I do, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't like it when they go away because I think people need to be able to compare and contrast um, and, and, and be able to like, you know, just appreciate um uh, the physical media, you know, not to, I'm not trying to hijack this into a David Lynch cast, but uh, I can't think of another major director who has less of his stuff available easily um, on physical media. Yeah, it's hard. Um, it's really bizarre. It's, um, you know, Lost Highway doesn't have a proper release. Inland Empire doesn't really have a proper release. Um, or they're in regions. This is what yeah. happens. You end up having oh. like the British version and like for the longest time, there was like a weird German version of the key I, you could get or something. Oh, like right. That. Or, or, and there's another German version of other Lynch films as well. And, and yeah, I have a German box set of, of Mulholland drive lost highway and <laughs> yeah. inland empire. Um, just I think my inland empire is a foreign version. Yeah. I don't I'm think there's German. ever, I mean, I think there was, there was a DVD release at one point. Yeah. Um, Cause I reviewed it. Um, but, uh, but there hasn't been like why the criterion doesn't just like, put out all of his films uh and maybe they will maybe that's why they're doing these these 4ks but um you know uh on a, on a totally different tack uh, having just come out of covid um you sink down to the level of of, of your lizard brain um <laughs> and uh i found out that my lizard brain uh 
exists for the Carol Co. movie studio. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, bless Carol Co. Yes. So good. <laughs> I watched so many, uh, so many of their films. Uh, I watched uh, both Rambo's. I watched Total Recall. Um, and I watched, and I, you know, I, I where's the I Carol really, Co. collection? All there physical. should be one. There should it's, be one. Um, and then I watched uh, uh, Basic Instinct. Yeah. And that Great is noir film. Great noir film. I, I, I want to be clear about this. When I say it's a perfect film, I don't mean <laughs> that it is like perfect the way heat is perfect. I mean, it's perfect the way a shark is perfect. Yes. It is, it is exactly what it is. It is that thing more purely than any other. I mean, you want, you want to see what a great movie Basic Instinct is. Watch it and then try and watch Jade directly afterwards <laughs> which i did i tried to watch jade directly afterwards and oh. i mean that's something you know jade is like that's william freaking that's not like a not a terrible but, uh, movie not a terrible movie but it's doing it's trying to do all the same things but it's all the cheapest version of that like that's the other thing about basic instinct it's like it spares also no expense for this thing that should have zero expense like it takes it it gives something like millions and millions more dollars than it ever has any right to have and so therefore it's this big decadent thing that's ultimately grubby but it's gorgeous oh my god and sharon stone's performance deeply underrated because it's so exploitative probably from the filmmakers to her but it's like maybe the best noir like performance from a woman almost ever like they may, she's in the conversation. She's in the conversation. Ah, she's tremendous in it. Um, Michael Douglas. I, I know that um, I think it was Jen and, and Jen Johans and Sean Byrne who did the uh, Michael Douglas tripping over his dick uh, podcast, uh, which I think was Sean's. That's a, um, that, uh, name there's a it. certain turn of phrase that only Sean Burns can do. <laughs> and I, whenever a new review pops up, I'm like, I, I, I just, I'm mining for the Sean Burns-ism mm-hmm. from every piece of writing that he does. Cause I'm like, there's going to be some gem in here that you would only hear in a bar. And I yes. want to, I want to read it. I want to read it so bad. But you know, it's just, and, and again, to get back to that, like, that, it's just like the unity of everything about that film. Like you're saying the sumptuousness, the, uh, the luxury that is a very sexy luxury. The, the luxury in Jade is very chilly. It's like a lot of tuxedos and like Baroque art. And in, in Basic Instinct, it's like, Ferraris and like these, like you know, yeah, fur-lined beds or whatever they have, you know, <laughs> and like it really it works tremendously well, and it is you know the plot just it I mean it really is it's a shark of a, of a film, yeah, um, and I was just uh, I was really of all of the movies I I also watched Showgirls again, which I am a Showgirls def- I'm a Paul Verhoeven like deep defender. The only thing you need to know is that it's a satire, like. Mm-hmm. If you watch it as a satire of American decadence, it's like, it's like he took basic instinct and made the most decadent movie of all time. And then he made showgirls, which was just like the biggest satire of American decadence of all time. Like they're an amazing pair. Like it may not be a perfect movie, but man, it's effective. Like, holy shit. Well, (laughs) and it's, you know, Paul Verhoeven has no problem both satirizing intellectualizing something and also making it awesome at the yes. same time there's a that's that you just nailed the third ingredient that so many things miss which is actually no that's the thing that um that's the difference that i would argue because i'm a fan of quentin tarantino's death proof right mm. and the difference was with planet terror is that i think robert rodriguez ultimately was making a movie and like really wants it to feel like schlock and just does this thing where he sidesteps into the movie actually being schlock. Whereas Tarantino wants it to feel like schlock, but is ultimately, uh, is ultimately driven to make the thing that he's making awesome. So it's like, even in death proof where like it has the schlocky elements, that car chase with like Zoe on the front of that freaking amazing car at the end is insane and is one yeah. of the most awesome things ever put to screen. You're like, oh no, the awesome quotient is the third bit. If you don't do awesome and the other stuff, it doesn't, it never hits. Well, it's that, it's that thing of intentional camp, right? And yes. in, intentional camp being used as an excuse to be lazy or to be, oh, we know it's dumb, so we're just making it dumb. And, you know, he's just, I think Paul Verhoeven is just operating at multiple levels at once. And and you see it in RoboCop, I mean, for sure. Oh. Um, and uh, you Robocop know, Robocop is 
something something i don't know that's that's like t- time place city every everything about texture everything about that right. movie is just two of the most spectacular villains um <sighs> uh, miguel ferrer is is so so slimy in that movie and then i forget the actor's name but the the dad from that 70s show with like <laughs> yeah. the, can you fly bobby um <laughs> is such a good it's just it's just, and i like i also watched total recall this uh this last week and so i'm, I'm just very big on that paul for i haven't watched vendetta yet i really need to see that oh yeah Be- benedetta is um benedetta is a movie all you need to know is that benedetta is a movie where a lesbian nun is um having dreams about a hot Jesus, mm. like a I, really hot warrior Jesus. And I made my wife come in and watch her scene. And she was like, what is this? And I'm like, it's Paul Verhoeven, babe. I, I've got it. It's going to be right up your alley. Um, <laughs> but, but so yeah, I just, I really wanted to chat to you because I'm like, it has been like a, like, this is always great. Us talking. Um, so thank you, but, no, of course. but it was really a dream and it was surreal. And you were right there. Like you got to see me right there. It was you, myself, John Glenn, um, you know, Connor O'Donnell, Sean Burns at our little table. We had these extended tables, Bilger and a whole bunch of his friends were there. And we had other friends that had joined us and extended friends and family of all the people that were kind of around us. But it was an utterly surreal experience. And one of the things I remember was you kind of like talking about what it's like to watch heat with me. And mm-hmm. I, that was the thing that I, I just wanted to sort of like clarify is like the hand gestures thing was one thing, but is there anything else you remember? Because like only weeks before I'd introduced a screening in Sydney and I found myself like really overwhelmed. I'd, I was with the guys and it kind of like at that moment, that was an even more, it felt like an even more important screening to me because it was the moment that I decided a hundred percent I was going to New York. So I'd introduced the screening to heat. I just got this new job. I knew I was going to New York and I watched the movie and I got to the end and I was just overwhelmed. And like, I, that movie just overwhelms me in so many ways. And then I, we, we watched it together and I was still overwhelmed. And then at the end of it, it was like, I was almost like, usually I'm in tears and I walk quietly out of the cinema. Um, but this time it was like, there was just joy. Those people rallied around us. Like people came up to us and it was just, I don't know, man, it was, it's one of the most special experiences in my life. I'm so grateful you were there for it. It was just, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about it, but it was that, that moment and that little kind of in the bar sitting around afterwards. I don't know. It felt like, it felt like the moment in the, in the Hobbit movies, um, the first ones, the Lord of the Rings where like, all the hobbits are like sitting in the bar looking around at all these people that have like done all this crazy shit. And for me, it was like this crazy experience of what one heat minute is and looking around and seeing all these faces like literally come to life. And I'm like, fuck, look at this. Isn't this I special? Mean, it, well, that's exactly right. It was just, a, it was a special opportunity. And the moment I saw that those tickets went, were going on sale, I bought two. Um, you know, and uh, it was, well, either, either I'm going to get Blake to fly to America or <laughs> I'll find somebody to go with me or, you know, I'll find someone else to do it. But I was just like, I'm taking the chance because like, you know, life is short. I mean, that's like a trite thing to say, but life is short. And these are the kind of things you'll never forget. And, and the chance, uh, you know, obviously Michael Mann wasn't able to be there with the idea that like, you know, you were going to get to meet Michael Mann. I, I had had conversations with somebody, maybe it was Travis. I don't remember that. I was like, I am stealing myself up for the moment that I'm with Blake and somebody goes, okay, Blake, it's time for you to go meet Michael Mann and uh, <laughs> Jordan, you stay here. <laughs> and I was ready for it because I was like, no, of course, because Blake, A, will be flying across the country and he's, he's Mr. One Heat Minute. This is the way the world should work. And I am happy to be there for it. And, and that didn't specifically happen, but like a lot of great things did happen and you got to meet De Niro, which is, is I count that as me half meeting him or something. I don't know. My friend Stu said, I'm dining out on you meeting De Niro for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yes. And I'm Um, just like, that's, I'm happy. I'm, and even my friends are like, De Niro, what? Well, and yes, and I I have told this, I have told your story of meeting De Niro to people because you get to talk about like, and then he gave them the the De Niro look and everybody does the, Eh. you know, 
everybody does it and they, you know it's bringing us shout together out, shout out to john glenn who is our great one heat minute fan super fan who was there from chicago who does an amazing de niro face i didn't realize how good his de niro face was but he did a spectacular one it was really spot on um but yeah it's i don't know man it's the crazy no it was a, a once in a lifetime kind of thing to do and and uh and i'm really glad i got to, i got to be there for it and i'm I, look also look we've been friends now for longer than I even realized because you said three years and I, I, that means that we've known each other for at least four, right? Yeah, I, four or five yeah. at least. I at thought least. you'd been on one heat minute. I was wrong. You'd been on three times, but I thought you were like on like five or six. I'm like, you were on six times. And you're like, no nah, man, two. And I was like, no, nah, it can't be two. I, like it I was, sat was, there, I, it ended up being three. It ended yeah. up being three times, but we chatted, we chatted so many times. I was like, there's no way, but you know, um, this never, any, I, I, it's never I any came pandemic. In, yeah, no, I came in late to One Heat Minute, but I came in hard, I think is the thing. Oh, you came in like, so hard. Yeah, you, <laughs> like, you, did, oh. like, you did the best, like, here's my action figures. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> and like, actually, you know, um, people who know him online as another film nerd, and I can't say that his name because he's kept some anonymity with his online persona. But like, he knew about your LA Confidential pilot first. And I think it was around the time that he was interviewing you for um, th that, that great series that we have in Graffiti with Punctuation, which is like Unseen Hollywood. And he was like, interviewed you about that. And then like almost like minutes afterwards, I remember getting a text from you. And I'm like, oh, did you say you like, I just read this interview about this LA Confidential pilot. And then I it saw, your, saw you followed, we followed each other. And then you're like, here's my heat action figures. I'm like, oh my God, why haven't you been on the show? This is the stupidest thing ever. Um, I look the moment I learned about it, I, <laughs> I made my move. So just to be clear, you made I, the move. I, I made the move. No, look, and you know, look, I, I'm sure you've talked about, uh, I listened to the, the, the podcast you did debriefing and I can't remember you talk about the fact that you, you wore a suit. Did you tell everybody that you wore your Neil Macaulay suit? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I went into too much detail, but it was just like, you did no. So I have this gray suit, which I call my Neil McCauley suit, but it also could be called my Vincent Hanna suit. And it also could be dressed down to be a Sonny Crockett suit if you just roll mm. the sleeves up ever so slightly and wear a different shirt. But I was like, you know, when I was at home in Sydney going, what am I going to take? I'm like, oh, I've got to wear the Neil McCauley. Like, you can't, I'm about to meet De Niro. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wear Neil, Neil McCauley garb. I've currently got, you know, very extensive facial hair. So it's like, I could even trim it down into a Neil McCauley goatee if I was really that inclined, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to do my beard, but I'm going to wear the Neil McCauley suit. So I had the suit on and it just felt, everything felt right. Like the day felt right. And I, like, I remember walking into Bilger's house because Bilger wasn't sure what he was going to wear. He knew those guys, you know, dress in a variety of ways, Pacino kind of like old rock star. Um, and De Niro is like very kind of like your, your, your dad. Um, basically is how he dresses these days. But I was like, no, I'm going to wear a suit. And Bilger's like, oh, you're wearing a suit. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Bilger, but like, if I'm going to meet Robert De Niro, I'm dressing like Neil McCauley. Like that's mm -hmm. the suit is what, and really also it was for like, if Michael Mann was there, he would have, he would have clocked how mm -hmm. I was dressed. You're like, oh, he's dressed like you. You know, like he would have clocked it. It's just like Vincent. Um, so yeah, no, I wore my Neil McCauley suit and it just, I don't know. Everything felt right. That night, everything felt really right. And then we walked out of the theater and I met Eve who gave me the Wes Studi shirt. And yeah, um, yeah, it was just crazy. It was a crazy, crazy crazy couple of days and, and we you uh, got your hands on the book too you got a book have you read it oh i i literally i had another book to finish first so i literally started it last night yeah have you have you read it you, you yeah it? yeah i'm i'm almost through it I, I i have you know one of those things where i'm just taking my sweet ass time it's one of those books i'm not in a rush because we've got more time before it actually gets released to the public um but yeah it's definitely give it i mean I'm enjoying the shit out of it. I, I would just say this. It's like, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a sequel. Like in the same way that you feel with a movie, there's not the pressure of like, it's trying to do the movie. It's doing something else and it's doing it in a different medium. So, but the great thing that it has is that it has the characters coming to life on the page, mm -hmm. which is easy for it to do. It's so brilliantly done and easy because you're like, oh, I know who Casals is and I know who Hannah is and I know who, Neil Macaulay is like, they just leap off the page, you know? So it's, it's just, it's great. I'm enjoying it. Well, but it's and, very, and very the, lean, muscular writing. Yeah. I could tell that I've only read the, the prologue, which essentially uh, just recounts the movie heat to you, which is fine, but it is very, it's very clean and, and crisp. And, and it's great because most things like this are essentially fan fiction. Um, you know, because uh, in my opinion, if it's not the original creator, it's fan fiction. I don't care yes. if it has the official, 
imprint of some corporation that gets to designate who makes what like yes if it's if if it was just me writing it and by the way if somebody had asked me jordan do you by yourself want to write a heat sequel i would have said yes but <laughs> it would have been fan fiction and yes. and this is not i mean meg meg gardner is very talented and then um but it's got michael mann sitting there you know given his imprint i don't know i have no idea what their working relationship was like but um but that's Michael. Michael Mann did it. So yeah, like, it's, it's as Michael Mann as it gets for me. Like, and I'm not as familiar with Meg's work either. But um, you can feel when it when it needs to be lean. It's it's one of those things. I feel like it's the most Michael Mann in the writing when it feels like so much is happening between every line. Mm-hmm. Like, and you'll see that as you read along. Like, it's moving at a clip. It feels like places it describes things, but it is not, doesn't get bogged down. Like, you know, one of the key examples I say is like, it doesn't sort of Tolkienize it. Like there are some Mm. parts of those Tolkien books where like he describes someone's foot for five pages and you're like, get over it. Let's go, baby. I've got time. You know, I've, I've got no time to read any more about a hobbit's foot. Like, let's go. Um, Corrent McCarthy's the same. I love Corrent McCarthy, but he will talk about a oscillating Arroyo in the, desiccated, <laughs> you know, like blah, blah, blah. Um, and you're like, okay, great. So there was a hill. Uh. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not a, that doesn't uh, happen to your favorite author. And one of my favorite authors, James Elroy, he is just fucking moving baby. Like yep. let's go. And so, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's very good, but it was also helped me crystallize when we do, the, the follow-up series, which will be a bit of a companion for the book. The book has parts. I was originally going to do chapters and I guess I'll articulate it here more succinctly is there are years that the book covers. It's covers in parts. And I think that we'll probably do as many episodes as there are parts and then have multiple people that will come on to talk about the things that they really resonated with, you know, and the, and the things that they really love about those sections and segments of the book. Um, and, you know, it'll much, it'll much more resemble our, Zodiac Chronicle series in that mm. we'll have multiple people talking and those things to really kind of give people value for money, um, for the time listening. And, and I'll try and keep the episodes, you know, around an hour or so, um, with like plenty of bonus content dropping just like this Roman ran on, our, on, on one hit minute, um, or any great combos that are just too amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll release them into the main feed, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about talking about it because it's, it's something completely different. Um, and I've, and, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it was just nice. We, we got our heat books. We saw each other mm-hmm. or fireworks in the, in New York city for some reason hey, and for, us, it was for, for us. And it was just like beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was a beautiful time. I had a great time the night before Brianna Ashby and um, everybody who was there. It was, you know, just yeah, Dave to, Fear popped in for a minute. Yeah, yeah. movies editor popped in, and uh, Manfax was there, and and then um, and and then the those guys weren't there for the next night, but it was, and Brianna Brianna handed me uh, handed me the original uh, the original artworks. That is beautiful. The, the is beautiful. artworks and the original one heat minute logo, which I treasure. I'm just waiting to get some frames in for them. So yeah, it was uh, a truly truly special couple of days yeah i you know i wish you could have stayed longer you missed a great noir at the bar with me and sean cosby and that is my one massive i mean look travis couldn't make it which was devastating and i know you've we've talked about our friend travis hating and i think every conversation we've had he's been so mad at me um that he didn't end up coming over or that i couldn't actually get to la for for a longer stopover but um sean cosby had a flight cancel. So it would have been Sean Cosby, um, uh, his lovely wife and all of us together at that bar in, in the Bronx, which would have been something even more crazy and special at the time. But yeah, it's just, uh, that's one regret I have, but you guys went and didn't like the bar and Sean went there. Oh, I mean, it would, so good. It would have been amazing. It was, yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a crossing of worlds. Although I guess Sean and I exist in both of the worlds, So it wasn't that weird, but, uh, yeah. But Sean Burns got to come out and see us both read. And there's a lot of other great writers, Rob Hart, Alex Segura. Um, oh, Alex. I've, I like Alex a lot. I've spoke oh, yeah. To, yeah, I know Alex. I, we, oh, we, spoke cool. to, we spoke to Alex, Maria and I for Josie and the Podcasts. I would have loved to see Alex too. Oh, that's cool. I know you knew Alex. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Alex, Alex, because of his, uh, like, st- you know, he's he's obviously now 
crossing over and being a great like crime author, but has like written for Archie, like has been in, he was in that world for a little while. So like, yeah, he's a, he's, we got to speak to him. So it was, um, yeah, that's a crazy, oh, I wish again, more of that crossover <laughs> of these people. But like, I think you said something right at the beginning of our convo, which is hilarious, which is, and I'll just touch on this is walking up to Bilga's house and looking through his front door mm-hmm. and seeing him walking towards the door was so surreal. And then seeing you in person mm-hmm. was just fucking surreal. Like it's surreal because we've had hours of conversations, maybe days at this point of conversations on this through zoom. And it's just like, Oh my God, when I saw you in person and Connor and oh, it was just great. And seeing Sean Burns and he, yeah. he even laughed that I said, uh, it wasn't on my bucket list to kiss his sweaty drunken face. Um, <laughs> uh, um you know, it was on my bucket list, just not quite as high as De Niro, not quite as high. <laughs> no, and, and 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 I'm sure you you get to you win in this one. Find out that, that you're tall and that I am very medium sized. I told that was one of the first things I told my wife. She's like, "What was it like meeting all the guys?" And I said, "They were so mad at me that I was tall." <laughs> I said, "Especially Sean." Sean was like, "You motherfucker, you're tall. Your stupid <laughs> camera makes you look small." I thought you were going to be short. Now you're tall and handsome. God damn it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's very nice of you to say, but um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, man, it was special. It was, it really tr- was. It was, it was surreal. And you know, I was, I was sitting in the airport at LA, LAX, oh, sorry, uh, JFK waiting for my flight to, to go back to LAX and then bounce home. And I was talking to my wife and kids and FaceTiming them and stuff. And um, they're like, how, you know, it was amazing and talking through stuff. And I was like, I just, I won't believe it. It's going to take me a month to believe it. It's going to take more people to go, Hey, tell that story. Tell that story. about how You meant it here. You know, it's going to take more of that. Well, like I said, I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm really glad I got to be there. Um, you know, I'm and, so and, glad you were there, man. You were, you yeah. made it, it was, you know, um, Bilga didn't get, Bilga uh, was originally meant to sit next to us and then got kind of stuck in the, in the post uh, Q and a chaos and then sat in another spot, but like being right next to you and being able to like, you know, just like be together and like bump fists, you know, a la mm-hmm. Sonny Crockett and, uh, and, and uh, Ricardo Tubbs, like when cool shit was happening on the screen and laughing our asses off and we could probably hear Sean Burns laughing down, you know, with us at the, at, at all the, all of our favorite bits and then just marveling at this, how gorgeous this thing is and the, the crescendo of the planes and just everything, all those beats that we've spoken about. And, you know, you got to see me with all my hand gestures and, <laughs> and, and the other thing is no one will ever, no one. And, and maybe you're like one of the exceptions, Jordan is like, I watched this movie with a symphony of voices in my head. I can hear all of my favorite people in the world talking to me while it's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, an indigenous storytelling in Australia for our first nations people, they talk about like dreaming and that's their like religion and the stories that make, you know, and, 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 and that the importance of like oral history. And, and I feel like this like oral history slash oral examination of this text that's been so important to all of us is like, I, I like, I feel like a conduit to it. So like, even though, you know, tomorrow the internet doesn't exist, like I have the stories, like the stories uh-huh. exist in me and it's like, I, I hear those stories every time I listen. So, you know, that when I watch it, 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 there's a transcendent level where it's not just the movie anymore for me. It's every person's experience of the movie that I've spoken to and mine at the same time. And I think that that meeting of those two things colliding is, is something that's, out of this world and I can't ever describe it. And having you next to me while that's happening and it feels like you're another antenna for that. It was uh, the most special thing. And so thank you for just like me when I said I was coming, when I had no clue if I was actually going to be able to do it, but you just being like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going and you're coming too, right? This is happening. <laughs> like when you said, like, I'm buying a ticket. I'm like, I said to my wife, I'm like, shit, Jordan bought a ticket. Okay. Well, I guess I better be going then. Um, when, when that was happening, it was just crazy. Uh, it's the best. Well, you know, the, the, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And, and now we need to engineer some kind of showing of it here in LA. Um, and, and, and 30th anniversary, here. 30th anniversary is right around the corner. I guess it is because I just checked because, you know, the in the in the prologue of Heat, he gives the exact address of the bank 
Yes. Uh, and it is accurate. I just checked on Google Maps. It is actually <laughs> the address of you look at it and you go, oh yeah, that's where they walked out of. Yes. Um, 444 Flower Street. So like, um, yeah, man, we got to come. We got to do a heat tour. Yeah, no, that's what, that's what I said to a few people. I'm like, it was great to go to New York, but there's also something, the one final piece that's missing is to go to LA and spend a chunk of time in LA and do a heat tour, you know, drive mm-hmm. around with Jordan and Travis and go to the heat locations. One day Jordan and the heat locations, next day Travis and the inherent vice locations. Uh-huh. Um, and then maybe like Charles Hood and uh, Drew drive, you know, drive up to Southern California into the San Francisco locations for Zodiac and then come back and spend a chunk of time in California and like really ingratiate myself there and just meet so many of the other amazing people and all of our friends and, um, if we can maybe try and find that restaurant where the crooks dine out in heat, I think mm. the whole, our whole game night gang need to all be around that, that restaurant. We've got to find a restaurant that looks like it. it find- well, I mean, we can definitely do that, but surely that's a findable, uh, yeah, we'll find a restaurant. Find I know it. that the, uh, the restaurant where, uh, where Macaulay meets Edie is closed. Yes. I have, cause I, I ate there back in the day yes um, and kate mandolini's is closed but maybe that other one isn't maybe someone mm-hmm. is maybe it's there it has the look of one of those restaurants that lasts forever yes. so so we have that going for us um yeah i know that and it, by the way throwing collateral why not yeah like, uh, oh yeah let's do that that's some, there's some fun locations there mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and, and, good, a- and good food i'm sure on the collateral tour as well it feels like collateral would have some of the best I think Justin Lieberman, who was an assistant for Michael Mann at the time when he spoke to us about collateral, he said he found the best tacos in LA mm. um, on that trip. So, you know, that's, that, that's something else as well. I know you and I are foodies. So when we hear yeah. things like that, it just gets locked in the brain. Like, yeah, that's, that's something. Well, I mean, the thing about the best tacos in LA is that, yeah, they're on some street corner someplace in a neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, went, I went, <laughs> I went to a, a, like two months ago, I went to a concert at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and, and, uh, it's an actual like cemetery and they have a Masonic lodge there where they do concerts. It's very cool. And uh, I, I went there and then I walked out, I was just on Santa Monica Boulevard in the middle of like uh, Eastern Hollywood. And there was a big spit set up. They were selling, you know, tacos El Pastor with the spit with the pineapples on top, that you slice off and you get, and you know, you, you, you pay for it by Venmoing some guy named, you know, uh, <laughs> Just like some some random dude, you know, he's like, here's my Venmo and you Venmo him the money. And then I, I started walking away with my tacos. I took a bite and I turned around. I was like, this is the best shit I ever had in my life. Like, what do you, <laughs> like, you know, like, and that's the magic of, I mean, not to go on a rant here about Los Angeles food, but the, the best taco in Los Angeles and the worst taco in Los Angeles look absolutely identical until you, <laughs> you, know, uh, until you get in on it. But, uh, but that's, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we will eat well. We will eat well. Look, mm-hmm. thank you so much for doing this. It's great to talk oh, to you. Um, can you plug you. the Living Daylights out of your upcoming book release, please, so that people oh. know what's what the hell's happening? Absolutely, yeah. So I have uh, two novels coming out in the next like six months, which is pretty weird. Um, one is called The Last King of California. It's sort Love of it. like the the Seven Samurai if the farmers were meth dealers and the <laughs> bandits were the Aryan Brotherhood um, <laughs> and that the samurai was one skinny 19 year old kid. Um, that's only coming out in the UK. It, you know, there are going to be ways to get it in America. I'm, I'm hoping that there will be a US release in the future, but that's not in the cards right now. And then in January, I have Everybody Knows uh, coming out here in America. It is my big LA Hollywood sleeves crime novel. Formerly uh, titled Hollywood Sickos, which I read formerly. it as. Um, and, uh, <laughs> God, it's good, Jordan. It's so fucking oh, good. Thank it's you. When really, I really good. When I was in New York, I, I did have a meeting at, at uh, my publisher Mulholland, and uh, my editor told the publisher, uh, "Oh yeah, the working title of this was Hollywood Sickos," and the publisher said, "Thank you for changing the title." <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. To me, there's a, there's a real purity. The Hollywood Sickos, like bam. Um, I you know, I I wish we lived in an age where like books like Hollywood sickos with like a you know i can see the cover from the 80s you said karolko is in your lizard brain and that's a that's a that's a karolko adaption title you know when they show not to keep dragging this on forever when i watched uh, basic instinct at one point they do what they you see mock-ups of the book that she has just finished writing which is her like 
uh, and it's called Shooter, which A, <laughs> I, I literally saw it and say, I'm going to write a book named Shooter. Someday. <laughs> um, but the cover, like, I was like, oh my God, all I want to do is read and then write novels that Catherine from Basic Instinct would write. Like, that is like, that is that's the vibe. So, that a, is the vibe. It's a big vibe. It's a big and, vibe. And uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, those, so two books coming out soon. Um, very excited for both of them. And uh, well, in Australia, for anyone who's listening in Australia, like in Australia, we're getting stuff from the UK is part of the course. Like we do okay. it when we're like we buy stuff from Amazon US, we buy it from Amazon UK. So I'll get my hands on that physical copy from there. I can't wait to finally get my hands on Last King California because I've only had it in whatever like format you word documents yeah. that you've sent me and that I turned into a PDF so I could read it on my Kindle. And, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for you, man. I'm like that truly, I love last King, but, uh, everybody knows is it's so, so it's fucking amazing. I'm such a huge fan of your work. So I can't oh, wait for yeah. more people to get it, get their hands on these. And I, I know that a lot of our friends have, um, have had the, the luck of reading it already. And they're like, and, and, they're so impressed that I think it's turned into people being mad. They're like, this is Aww. so good. I'm mad at it. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that it's just so great that you get mad because it's so great, but no, you deserve well, it. You. And you're amazing. And I can't wait yeah. to read it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Always, always, always a pleasure.